You are listening to the Virtual World Society Nextend podcast. For this episode, we invited Doug Hohulan, immersive tech advisor with a focus on education, healthcare, and sustainability. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. What is going on, everybody? It is Maxwell with the Virtual World Society Nextant Podcast. As always, here with an incredibly fascinating guest, Doug Ho Hu Oh Ho Hulin. I almost messed that up. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. I swear I'm a professional. Immersive tech advisor with a focus on education, healthcare, and sustainability. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be on this podcast, Maxwell. I've been listening to your podcast and I've been involved in the Virtual World Society and just you have great um, guests and I'm just looking forward to uh, having this conversation. Well, I'm so happy that you're now part of that list of great guests. Doug, we had met uh, a little while ago. I would say in a virtual world society uh, event, uh, educators in VR, I know you're also uh, involved with as well. And yes. So when we had when we had first met, I was immediately fascinated by how passionate you were about technology and how much you how involved you were in this industry. Was there a certain age where you decided that this is the path you are going to take? This was the general path you were going to take in the world of tech and immersive learning. Well, kind of where it started my journey, uh, I joined uh, Motorola uh, 33 years ago. And uh, for, for 33 years, I worked for Nokia, Motorola. And then 11 years ago, my division from Motorola got bought by Nokia. So I was on the communication side of this uh, technology. And one part of immersive technology is unique communication, just like what we're doing right now. And uh, But about four years ago, I had a great job at Nokia, I was business development and strategy, and got uh, started to get involved in immersive technology um, from the communication side. Um, and unfortunately, that department kind of got moved along, um, it got reorganized into different ways. And so I started doing stuff that, um, you know, I wasn't quite as interested in. So, you know, this I, I was working on immersive technology as a volunteer in, in a lot of different areas. And uh, then at the end of last year, I got jumped in fully on, on immersive technology, um, working with KU School of Nursing. I'm on their faculty advisor um, and also advisory board. I'm with the um, University of Central Missouri Gigabit Lab um, and working. And I've been doing that for about the last two years, helping these students, helping these um, nursing um, students and, and technology students learn about immersive technologies. And so it's been a journey. Um, and if you look at immersive technology, it's been a journey for the last 10 years, uh, but we're kind of at a critical point where I think, you know, the equivalent of the iPhone moment, where all of a sudden in the next three to five years, things will just be transformative. I couldn't agree more. I think the way technology is going, especially with immersive learning and virtual reality technology, things are progressing so quickly. Now, metaverse is a really big buzzword. More people are familiar with it. During your time, especially at Nokia and and Motorola, was there a period where you realized that it was immersive technology that you were you wanted to go in the direction of? 
Well, so, you know, with uh, the cell phone industry, when I joined Motorola, there were 7, 7 million cell phones in the world. And 25 years later, there were 8 billion cell phones in the world. And uh, in fact, in 2014, there were more um, cell phones in the world than there were people on the planet. And, you know, this technology has been established, but people, you know, like, like the, during the pandemic, you know, we, you know, we started doing communication, but it wasn't as immersive. In fact, uh, friends of mine who are teachers, they, they, they almost had a step backwards as they, kids were on Zoom and it wasn't immersive. It wasn't an, an engaging experience. And I think that this immersive technology, if done right, it can transform um, students so that they, they see this immersive ex experience that they're learning. They're just having fun and they want to just have more of it. And I believe uh, if we have communication, we have the devices that can uh, provide this immersive experience for an enjoyable experience and then content. Those are the three pillars that we need. And if we get that, um, I think this will transform our world. Transforming our world to the power of technology and virtual reality seems to be the main goal of anybody involved with immersive learning. You know, I myself teach immersive learning. I teach virtual reality classes, and I notice that because it's an extension of our own reality, everything applies. Everything, everything in education, sustainability, all of that. When you first started getting involved with these schools and these organizations, were they a little bit hesitant about VR technology or were they all in? They were just they were ready to go. They were like, let's put on the helmets and, and get this experience going. Um, I've had a mixture of, of both. You know, some are hesitant. Some people don't even want to put on a headset, you know. And so, like, I've been doing a number of demos just recently. And is so the challenge will be is how do I show demos for people who don't want to jump in right away? And then those are there are some people who are just like, oh, this is an incredible experience. So, for instance, one of the companies we work with is Bundle of Rays with the KU School of Nursing. They have a, a anatomy um, application. And I was at, um, actually, I just got back from Philadelphia. I was at a cable show where, by the way, we won, um, there was $300,000 of prize money uh, for immersive technology. Uh, well, actually, it was for the 10G challenge, um, but part of that was immersive technology. And we won first prize on uh, best breast cancer care everywhere um, using the HoloLens 2 technology, a company called MetaView and the KU Cancer Centered um, Dr. Dr. Wagner. So that won first prize of $100,000. And then our KU School of Nursing and the Kansas City Digital Drive um, worked together uh, for the learn category that Zoom um, judged. And we won $50,000 on that prize. Anyway, so we, we were demonstrating this technology. And so one of the people came to our, our demo and we put them into an anatomy class. And this anatomy demo um, application is you can see a skeleton or you can see the muscles and you can pull out muscles, you can pull out the heart, it gives labels them. And I have a picture of this lady that just had me this amazing immersive experience of wonder, you know, it was basically a whole new world experience of learning and the, the smile on her face and the joy that she had. Uh, and she was spending like 10 minutes in this, you know, so I, I you know, I'm getting permission to use her picture um, because of that joy and that experience. And so that's what I want to give to everyone is that when they come into these immersive experiences, how can I help that? 
And also, what are the barriers? Um, Dr. De Angelina Dayton, the VR lady who you interviewed on the podcast, uh, she's an anthropologist and she looks at user interfaces and, you know, what are the barriers to, to have this joy and this immersive experience that, that is possible? And, you know, what is it, the technology that's still limiting? Like one of the challenges, of course, is the weight of the headset, some of the, the quality of the optics. Uh, but when I started with Motorola, um, a cell phone weighed three pounds, cost $3,000, had a 30 minute battery life and it cost $3 a minute to make a phone call and could only make a phone call. And now everyone has a you know, smartphone in their pocket doing amazing, incredible things. That's what immersive technology is going to be in the next five to 10 years. So you think that immersive technology, especially the VR headsets, the ones put on by Meta and HTC, they're going to progress in a similar way to cell phones, getting smaller, lighter, more efficient. It, it, absolutely. Well, in fact, one of the demonstrations we have is with a company called New Eyes, which is uh, smart glasses. And these uh, weigh only 80 grams. And so, you know, going from a pound to something that's about five to eight times lighter, where, you know, just like our, you know, what 70% of people wear glasses. And so we, you know, this is something that, you know, we're just experienced with using glasses. We use sunglasses. So if we can get that lightweight uh, technology that has this immersive experience, in fact, they talk about, uh, it's called the visual Turing test, where you, it's indistinguishable between the visual world, physical vis visual world, and what you, when you put these smart glasses on, that you can't tell the difference. Um, and already we have that with sound, right? If you have iPods, you can have audio quality that you can't distinguish between, you know, uh, going into a, a music hall. And so when we have that with sight, then when we have it with, with feel, a touch, and then smell as well, you know, we'll have these immersive experiences that, that will be a brand new world. In fact, uh, one of the things we created this digital twin of the KU School of Nursing, the outside campus, which is about a mile, the hospital system, you know, the hospital itself, and then the nursing school, and then the medical school. And uh, I learned how on Engage, how to fly around um, in, in Engage. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And so what I did is I cooked that up uh, flying around. You can fly with people. So you can have a bunch of people flying around together. And I had a screen of the move of the, um, the song, the video of a brand new world from Aladdin. And so Aladdin's taking, um, you know, Jasmine around on the magic carpet. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a hospital bed where the nursing students can fly around the campus in a hospital bed to the song, a brand new world. And, uh, you know, just this immersive experience that just is engaging um, where people want more. And, uh, you know, I've had different experiences in VR where it's like, okay, you know, it's not the greatest experience. And, but other times I have it where it's like, how can I get more of this? And, you know, how do you create content where you want more and not like, okay, this weighed a pound in my head. And after 30 minutes, I was really tired of having it on my head. So yeah. these are the challenges of the technology. Yeah. And with this technology, with with VR headsets, especially they can be heavy, they can be bogged down a little bit. There's also a hardware issue, right, where in order to power these headsets, either you have a standalone headset, which has its own hardware. So it's going to be very heavy, you know, because essentially got a computer lying on your face and uh, we have PC powered headsets. What do you think is going to be the future of uh, of powering headsets? Yeah, so one of the technologies being developed is this around smart glasses. In fact, a great book I would encourage people to read is Super Sight um, by uh, David uh, 
um, Rose um, out of MIT's Media Lab, and he he believes it's it's AR glasses, um, you know, where smart glasses you put on that that can be either you know augmented reality or virtual reality, depending on if you want to you know feast through and see the environment around you or just have a completely transparent, so you're completely immersed in the in the solution. But the problem with that is I go back to that 30 minute battery life is how do you, you know, and the Quest 2 has a, you know, weighs a pound and it has a 90 minute battery life. So the challenge will be, especially in an all one headset, is how do you, you know, get longer battery life, but make it lighter and better technology. And things that are being developed is a technology called split rendering, where what you do is all the hard processing is done in the cloud. And then more of the visualization is only what, what is needed absolutely is done in the glasses. And uh, so there's partnership between the cloud and, and the locality. And uh, by the way, that will help with sustainability as well, because you're not having to add all this electronics in the glasses. It can be done in the cloud and you minimize, you know, you know maximize battery life. And, uh, you know, as, pe as the artificial intelligence gets better and better, as the processing gets better and better, it can be stayed in the cloud. And then you use 5G technology, 6G technology, 10G technology being developed by the cable labs um, to make it transparent. So, you know, when I give someone uh, these smart glasses, um, you know, that weigh 80 grams, they just put it on. And, you know, if, if you can get a two to three hour battery life, uh, you know, that would be good enough. Yeah. I love how technology progresses. I love to see that, especially with battery life or, or, or visual, visual optics, right? We right. see, we saw that with, with television, standard definition to HD. We saw HD. We were like, how can this get better? 4K comes out, 8K comes out, right? We keep saying, how can this get better and how can this, um, how can this improve? Now, with all of that, right, there are certain barriers, and I'm really glad that you're bringing up barriers because I think it's important to talk about because when we talk about it, we know how to solve it, right? We, If we bring up the issues, if we bring up the problems, we face them head on, we know how to, um, we know how to approach them. One of them is price points for, for these headsets. Do you think that the companies have a responsibility to make their price points a little bit more reasonable, both for educational institutions healthcare institutions uh, and individual users? Uh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, that's what, what the exciting thing about, like when the Quest 2 came out, uh, that, uh, you know, that price point was at $300 a unit. And so that was very affordable. Actually, it had 1.5 teraflops of processing power, which is the, the same processing power as 20 years ago, the fastest supercomputer on the world and the planet. And uh, so now new devices are coming out. You know, the question is, is do you, you know, have a higher price point that has better optics um, and a better quality experience? Or do you have a you know, lower price point and maybe it's not the, the quality of the optics isn't quite as good? So these are the, you know, there's going to be this experiment. You know, I, I see where people are going to go between three to four hundred dollars um, a device to, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a device, um, you know, and even higher. There's um, Vario. Um, has devices of what about eight thousand dollars, but those are you know past the visual Turing test where you know the optics just blow you away. And for some applications like this, uh, remote surgery and other you know applications, you need that high quality and you're willing to pay for it. So you know, but you know the good news is there's the low cost solutions and also like for instance, I've been involved in this project with KU School of Nursing. They're part of this Meta University project that Victory XR has. 
and Facebook Meta uh, gave 500 Quest headsets to, as part of this program to 10 universities. So, you know, we got those for free. So there's a lot of, you know, different company, different organizations are giving out, uh, you know, funding uh, devices to help people uh, explore and use this technology. So then, you know, when, as the price points keep coming down and down, eventually it's, it's for the masses. And that's where I'm excited about this technology. So I think we'll get there. I think we're about three generations. You know, every two years, there's a new chipset. And so I think in about, like, that's why I use this five to seven years that, you know, the, the technology will be there where it, the, the device won't be the barrier and probably the price won't be the barrier, just like smartphones. Um, you know, they're fairly inexpensive. And then all then the question is, what about the content, right? Can you develop the content that's so immersive that people just want more of? Yeah. And people, they they love it when they first see it, when users first get into VR. Are there particular experiences that you like to bring people into when they try VR for the very first time? It's the first time they've ever put on the on the headset. Are there particular experiences you go to right away? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big space fan. So, you know, I, there's there's times where, you know, I take people and around the, uh, the solar system. There's a it's called Titans of Space is a really cool app on the Quest 2. If you like art, um, there's a 360 um, video experience where you go into the cave art that's 40,000 years ago and you can see how the caves were painted you see the the bears walking around three dimensional. It feels like you're right in the cave of, of in in France, but you're experiencing this. You're having this immersive experience. One one comment I would make is I, a friend of mine who's a, actually Katie's um, nurse, and when I talk about the metaverse, she goes, "Well, that sounds like a ride at Disney World." Yeah. But if you think about it, Disney World is about all about immersive experiences, right? How do I have these incredible experiences? Um, a visualization that you just want more of. And so I would agree with her that, yes, uh, the metaverse should be a ride. You, you know, this immersive experience, like a ride at Disney World, that you just, you know, a brave, a brand new world, right, of new experiences, of seeing the world in a new ways. Um, you know, in fact, one th using the Engage platform with Victor XR and also this other company, Bundle of Rays, and uh, so you go on the launching pad of, uh, of, of NASA and you see the Saturn V rocket. And so I was flying around the Saturn V rocket. And so I was thinking, you know, like you're, you're flying around and, and just flying, you know, just seeing it from a different perspective. But then I, I can have on the screen a video going of Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. Or I can go into engage in the world that you're on the moon. And you see the video of Neil Armstrong. So not only are you seeing the content of that information, but you're actually part of that experience. You're in the, on the moon experiencing that at the same time. So, you know, the best, you know, the kids like field trips, right? They like to go to a place where they're actually at the experience. And, you know, we can't all travel around. In fact, if you're concerned about sustainability, we got to reduce our carbon footprint and minimize travel. So rather than travel, everyone travel to the moon physically, you travel virtually and have an incredible experience. Do you think that this virtual travel is going to help reduce our carbon footprint as, as individuals to help sustainability? Absolutely. I mean, before this technology was available, you know, I was traveling maybe to five to six conferences a year. 
Um, with COVID lockdown, I, I had actually, I was going to more conferences, but I was doing it virtually. Mm-hmm. Now for me, you know, my number one goal when I go to a virtual conference is do I meet interesting people and make good connections. And that takes work. Uh, but, uh, you know, but you, that can be done, but that's the value of a conference. So I tra- just traveled to a, uh, this cable show conference where we won these two prizes, met some incredible people at the cable shows, um, really good content contacts and, and, you know, that I'm going to then be reaching out to, but the challenge was, is, uh, you know, they did the math, actually educators in VR did the math and a three-day conference uses this one ton of CO2 gas emissions. The average person on the planet uses five tons of CO2 gas emissions in a year. So basically I used a fifth of the CO2 gas emissions of the average person on the planet. And even the United States, the average person uses 13 tons of gas emissions in a year. So, you know, you go on 13 trips and you're equivalent to the average person traveling. So, and I'm not saying we don't travel at all and we just stay in our houses, but whereas the most meaningful, yes, travel, and then follow up then with other um, virtual trips so that you can balance the two. So my, my rule of thumb is try to cut your CO2 gas emissions by 50% and still have meaningful engagements with people. And if we can all do that, we, I, I think we achieve both goals, one, meaningful connections and reducing our carbon footprint. Well, I think that's so important is to think about how can we use and utilize technology to not only reduce our our carbon footprint, but other sustainability development goals. How do we how do we meet that? Right. How do we how do we do that? What else can VR bring us as far as sustainability? What, What else can it help us with as far as sustainability goes? Well, you know, like I said, the, the carbon footprint, the other one is, uh, you know, your smartphone actually has enough as much CO2 gas emissions to manufacture it because there's a lot of electronics in it, I think, as your refrigerator to manufacture it. So you're using a lot of carbon, uh, you know, CO2 ma- gas emissions to build it. So when you can put things more in the cloud and minimize the amount of uh, electronics in the device, that actually is, is a positive for the uh, environment as well. The other thing is, is and it calls, causes a circular economy, is that when people are ready to throw away their, their device, uh, while um, 22% of uh, landfill by volume is electronics, 70% of toxic waste is from electronics. So every time you, you throw your, your batteries, you throw any kind of electronics into, the, into your trash can and not recycle it properly, you're contributing to that 70% of toxic waste. Now, if we can put more things in the cloud, then we let the, you know, the companies like the Googles and the Facebooks and so forth um, do the, you know, they, they know how to recycle that, right? And all I have to worry about is my 80 gram pair of glasses. So instead of an 80, um, inch television that I got to throw away and figure out how where to throw it away and recycle it. I just have this 80 pound gram pair of glasses and I don't have to buy one every two years because, you know, the functionality is such where all the improvement is being done in the cloud. So that's another area that I think is going to be really important um, for sustainability is how to minimize your carbon footprint. In fact, uh, you know, uh, one area is, you know, right now there's there's uh, the world produces maybe five trillion things. 
And uh, some of them are very disposable, like a box of cereal and that kind of stuff. Um, in fact, the average um, American home has 10,000 things in your home. The average worldwide only has a, at least this was 20 years ago, has 127 things in their house, the average person in, around the world. So Americans have a lot of things in their house. A lot of it is junk, right? It has some value. We don't use it. So how much of the things like in your closet, you know, how many clothes do you have? How many do you never wear? But they're just there. So the question is, is can you use virtual reality and immersive experiences so you have minimized, you know, minimize the physical things and have more virtual things? So, you know, if I want to have a great art painting, I can do that. And if I get tired of this painting, I can grab another painting. And so I see this in the virtual world. So I think another area that's going to be critical is minimizing a lot of things in your house and having but having more of them in the virtual world. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's so important when you talk about, we have to minimize our, our waste. Now there's a number of companies and corporations that are producing a significant amount of waste. Is there an advantage for them to be more into sustainability, to be more proactive with sustainability, such as using the cloud more often? Is there advantages for large corporations to do something like that? Oh, absolutely. Especially with the circular economy, it's like not only do you, you know, what the cost of manufacturing and, you know, like, for instance, clothing is a good example of this. So right now, um, 10 percent of greenhouse gas emissions is because of clothes and 40 percent of clothes that are manufactured are never worn, you know, that, it, you know, they just get thrown away. Like you buy you, you may buy it and it's just unfit or there's a there's some kind of error in it, you know, just like fruit that goes bad, clothing goes bad as well. So 40% of clothing is never worn. And I joke that 100% of clothes that your aunt gives you are never worn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so the thing is, is can you use virtual, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality? In fact, Qualcomm has a great slide of shop like never before. So I look and I, I shop in different areas, you know, look at the different pieces of clothing, you know, so I minimize my uh, the amount of clothes I actually buy. Now, the good news for these these manufacturers of clothing is they can, you know, have higher quality clothes. And and actually, you know, one of the challenges of the clothing industry is, is fraud, you know, counterfeits. Yeah. And so yeah. you can minimize, uh, you know, use blockchain chain technology as well. So you can you can actually, you know, if you sell something, a virtual piece of clothing, uh, or a purse or, or other beauty item, you know, that you can, you can actually, you'd rather spend, you know, sell something for a hundred dollars of a virtual piece of clothing than of the, having to make it and then sell the physical piece of clothing. And, uh, you know, Fortnite and other um, games, people are buying, they're spending billions of dollars of to buy virtual clothing. And uh, so, you know, my rule of thumb is, you know, you know, how do you min minimize your carbon footprint by, by, you know, optimizing what you really want to wear. So you just don't have something in your closet that never gets used. Right. And eventually gets thrown away. Yeah. Well, I, I really think that people very often do not think enough about how do I live sustainably? How do I, how do I do better by the environment? How do I do better by the earth? And is there certain experiences in VR that allow people to see um, how sustainability is not only important, but how living their life the way that they're living it might be damaging to our planet? 
Um, you know, you can have these experiences where you show, you know, pollution, right? And you show yeah. where, you know, like going back to this landfill example, you know, where people see that, hey, if I throw my my, my cell phone into the, just into the waste bin and not try to recycle it, you know, this creates, you know, um, you know, toxic waste. So the, you know, you can, you can have some education. This goes back to the education side of this, but you know, Michael, you know, I, I tend to be libertarian a little bit where it's like, I don't want to force people to have to do something. I want to create something that people want to be sustainable. Right. I, I, you know, have such a great experience um, in the virtual world that I don't need to travel as much, especially to, you know, meeting um, people I've already know, right? Maybe that first time I need to meet someone. Yeah, there's something special about meeting them face to face in the physical world. But after the, that first meeting, we can have these virtual meetings. And so, you know, in fact, I'd, it would be nice to have a ticker that says, okay, this is how much CO2 gas emissions you're, you have. And by doing this, you're saving, you know, a, a, gig, a ton of CO2 gas emissions, you know, so by doing X, this is, you know, it's kind of like stepping on the scale, you know, I, because yeah. I, I ate the broccoli instead of ate, eating the French fries, you know, I lost a half a pound. And I, so I think if we can show how by making choices that are better for the planet and, and actually better for have more enjoyable experience. So I want these experiences to be so great that people are saying, I'm fine. I don't need to travel as much and I can still have a great experience. I can still have meaningful relationship development. And so that is the technology that's going to be developed in the, the next three to five years. That is absolutely brilliant. Um, listen, I want to say, Doug, I have learned so, so much, not only about sustainability, but also about these technology developments. You are an expert in this field all of us really respect you, your knowledge, your abilities and what you bring to the table. And I got to say, um, I hope that in the future there are more people like you in this industry because people like you and you yourself as an individual um, help out the cause for virtual reality and a better humanity. So I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great being part of the Virtual World Society. I'm getting involved, helping uh, the different projects that's like Skill Sparks. I'm really excited about uh, what that's going to bring um, on these uh, this immersive technology and helping the underprivileged adults and the communities on board in this and thrive in the XR and the metaverse. Right? It's because like right now there's a limited number of people who understand this technology and how do we make it easy for them to learn? Now, Dr. Angelina Dayton, she's put 50,000 people into VR. I put maybe a uh, hundred people into VR. So I have a ways to go to Matt, even get close to her. Yeah. But uh, you know, how do we have these immersive experiences that people want more? And you know, when they want more of that, then maybe they don't drive as much. Maybe they say, see an alternative and minimizing their carbon footprint or, you know, telemedicine is a, another great example. In fact, the, the grand prize we won is that we have a cancer doctor that can interact with patients all around the country, even around the world and have still a high quality experience. I mean, the, one of the challenges of telemedicine is do you have as good of experience you know, having a telemedicine visit as in the physical world, as a physical visit. And that's the technology we're being developed with this company called MetaView and using the HoloLens 2 technology. So that technology is going to be developed so that you have the same quality of experience and even maybe better, but not don't have to travel eight hours. So if you're a cancer patient, you know, traveling eight hours to sit in a hospital room, uh, you know, a doctor's office, only to have a 15 minute visit 
is really a waste of time and lowers your quality of life. So if you can still have that high quality visit, but do it with telemedicine, you know, that's a win-win. And so that's kind of the technology I want to work and develop. Absolutely. And the world is all the better for that. Absolutely. You know, so thank you so, so much for coming on the uh, next in podcast. I really greatly appreciate your time and just thank you, Doug, for being you. Well, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to, to talk and share my vision. Absolutely. Once again, it is Maxwell with the next in podcast. Please join us every week on Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Thank you, Doug. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support our work, you can join free at virtualworldsociety.org to receive regular newsletters and updates, donate to help fund our projects and work, and register to volunteer and get in on the action.